0: Hi, welcome to SHIFT, it's PwC Canada's podcast series, and we're digging into key digital trends and topics that can make your business transformation a reality. I'm your host, John Finkelstein, and I'm also the creative director of PwC Canada. Okay, welcome to another exciting episode of SHIFT, pandemic edition still, and today we have Stephen Gordon, director of multi-channel logistics at Best Buy. And for those of you who know me, you know, I love tech, you know, I love gizmos, and you know, I love retail and supply chain, as it turns out. So, we're going to be talking about some really interesting stuff today uh, with Stephen. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice to be here. So, so Stephen, maybe you could do us a little, a little favor here. And, um, you know, for those of you who don't know you, uh, maybe you could just take a second and just tell us a little bit about what your role is at Best Buy and a little bit about yourself. Sure. Currently, I
1: oversee most of the supply chain functions at Best Buy, including transportation, distribution, and also e-commerce fulfillment and delivery. Um, I've been with the company um, 27 years, so through that time, we've seen a, a lot of different shifts um, in the organization. Uh, we uh, we started off back in 1993 with uh, Future Shop. Mm-hmm. And then, um, as you know, Best Buy came in and, and purchased Future Shop, and we basically carried on with a kind of dual brand strategy. And then uh, we consolidated the brands uh, a few years back there. So there's been a lot of different um, transformation within the organization. Um, and I've obviously been um, a big part of that during the last 27
0: years. Oh, man, I have to imagine so much has changed in last year. I mean, uh, that's probably the understatement of the year. I get it. But to work in retail, uh to be someone who is responsible for logistics and supply chain and last mile and all this stuff i mean the playbook must be thrown out
1: no you know obviously it was you know unprecedented uh, the shift that we went through last year but i think as an organization we've always been focused on continuous improvement we've always been focused on you know keeping everybody on their toes to to change and Mm -hmm. transform so i think that really helped us uh last year but it was it was, a, it was
0: a challenging year, uh, definitely from a last mile perspective. Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, well, let's talk about that for a second. So I, I'm, I'm really curious. You know, we've, we've had a few guests on now since, uh, well, it's been a year, I guess, since the pandemic started. And it's always really interesting to kind of hear how large organizations handle it. I mean, we, we've talked to, to Telus recently about, you know, how they were approaching, you know, networking and all this kind of stuff. So the pandemic hit Stephen. Like, what did you guys do right away? How what's, how did you put sort of employee and, and staff safety first? This must have been like uh, a real shockwave.
1: Obviously, yeah, to your point, you know, the safety of our associates, employees, and customers was the top priority. And, and we used that in every decision that we made the past year. But, you know, right right at the beginning, um, you know, the, the environment was changing extremely fast.
0: Hey, Stephen, I'm curious, you know, when you guys were thinking about, you know, shifting the way you do business, your operating model, meeting customer expectations, et cetera. What was the reaction from the staff when all this went down, your employees? Because, you know, at PwC, we obviously talk and do a lot of work on the employee side as well. And I, I'm just wondering, and maybe this is just anecdotal, I don't know, but what was it like with all of your associates and 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 the people working within in, in your stores as their roles changed, as uh, safety became a greater priority was there much dialogue back and forth between uh the stores the staff and head office
1: yeah i mean and i think that was one of the the critical things for us and how we we managed to um survive and, and prosper in this environment is that it it was open communication you know we, we basically cascaded information on a you know hourly daily basis to the associate to let them know you know here's here's the operating model or here's the things that we're trying to accomplish and, and here's what it means to you um and yeah it, it was a, a daily occurrence and I, and I think that as we got information we had to interpret information especially with the different provincial guidelines mm-hmm. you know we had to figure out what does that mean for us from a retail organization how can we operate how can we serve our customers and then from there we would communicate to the to the associates on you know, here's here's what that means from an operating model. Um, and then also, you know, from a safety perspective, you know, that we had to get the, the PPE out to the, the mm-hmm. stores and, and each store focused on, you know, what does the store layout look like? How do we keep people socially distanced? Uh, how do we make sure everybody's safe? And, and that was one of the, the keys initially out the gate was making sure that people were informed, making sure people knew what the next step was. And also making sure people had the, the environment and the equipment to stay safe.
0: Yeah. My hats off go, obviously, to anybody who's working in, you know, that sort of front line. I'm going to switch gears here. As consumers, our expectations have completely changed. You know, we often talk about as shorthand sort of the Amazon model and how that space and Uber for that matter, how they've kind of like, you know, completely changed our expectations. As shoppers, as consumers, you know, it's like I've been known to say that what is it? The slowest internet you'll put up with is the fastest internet you ever had. It's like we're just trained to expect the best and that becomes the bar. And so now with uh, delivery culture and curbside and e commerce and all this stuff has changed. What do you think um, sort of the best parts about this massive acceleration has been for you and for Best Buy?
1: Um, I think obviously. With customers, to your point, it's the convenience factor. So time becomes extremely important uh, to customers, and I think that you know what we've seen is a, a shift online, um, and it's not just people who have been shopping online buying more frequently online. We've also got customers who are buying online for the first time. So for us, it, the exciting part is is that we get to invest in, in technology to try and make the the online experience as frictionless as possible. Um, mm-hmm kind of what we've done in, in the brick and mortar retail for, for many years is, is try and refine that process standardize that process so the customer has the same experience each time they come into a store regardless of the store they come into online presents you know a, a, a 10x challenge in that in that sense because there's a lot of a lot more moving parts a lot more uh, third party involvement a lot more technology involved and i think that's the exciting part is that how do we deliver that experience, that same consistent, reliable experience in an online setting as we've done, you know, in the retail setting over over the years? Mm-hmm. And I think that it, it's not just, you know, setting up um, and investing in in, in the online piece. It's the convenience factor. And, you know, from a customer, convenience could mean something different depending on the day, the week. It could be, you know, they want it direct to home. They want a curbside. They want, you know, to pick it up in store. They want a shop in store. So we have to make sure that we're invested in each one of those areas um, and channels and make sure that we can really refine that process and make it consistent and reliable for the customer. Mm-hmm. That's why I think for me, you know, being in supply chain at this time is extremely exciting because technology is going to play a big part in making sure that we can deliver on that customer experience is a big challenge for us.
0: What's your perspective on on the notion of e-commerce and whether or not it's kind of change the game forever it's like you know there's all these different delivery and distribution channels happening now and we'll get into a little bit of marketplace maybe a little bit later but what do you think is stuck do you think people are gonna are gonna go back to as much brick and mortar or do you think you know this this time has changed it for good
1: well i think that the feeling was always that canadian online was underserved and and we weren't growing as quickly as a lot of other countries, and I think this pandemic has really pushed that forward and accelerated online. But again, if it's if it's delivered consistently and reliably, I think that's going to stick. Uh, people are used to that convenience. You know, we'll continue to invest in brick and mortar, and and again, deliver the experience as as the customer demands evolve. You want to go to the store uh, for an experience that you can't get by mm-hmm. by interacting online. You know, whether it's a, a high touch purchase like a you know a connected home package or you know a sound system or home theater or an appliance you know when you're spending thousands of dollars on an item i think that in-store experience is still a viable experience and will mm-hmm. still continue to be important to customers but i think you know that convenience of online and, and, and the multi-channel approach i think is still going to be a big part of shoppers experience going forward
0: yeah i i, I tend to agree and i think you know the. The role of the store, the physical store, will probably change dramatically. And I I love what you said there about, you know, every channel is going to have kind of its own purpose and its own power, I suppose. And, you know, the physical store is really, I think, going to be about um, experience and about, um, you know, curation and about, uh, you know, expert sales, because that's what you really can't get as, as well online, I suppose.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And I I think as well that, you know, it's going to continue to evolve and we just have to be ready to be able to, you know, invest in those those, um, interactions that the customers are looking for or, you know, uh, pivot to, uh, you know, double down on areas that we've invested in before. But we just need to make that experience a bit better. I think the store, you know, the store is a is a focal point for the customer when you think about services going in you know, and you know, getting your a diagnostic on your laptop or mm-hmm. or, you know, even returning product. I think having retail to, to take your product back if if the product doesn't fit uh, what you're looking for is a real good, convenient way to to get that product back and, and find something that you know fits fits your needs better.
0: Totally. Yeah. So as a director of multi channel logistics, I'm curious, you know, like what, what do you think what was your biggest challenge when all this thing went down?
1: I think the the biggest thing initially was keeping operations running. One of the major challenges we had was the fluctuations in volume as the stores you know started to um close initially a lot of the volume went online, which is a different dynamic mm-hmm. um and then as the stores started to open up there was there was more of a balance there um and then i, I think that one of, one of the key things was you know the innovation you optimization you know the the pivot as we change business. I think from our, our logistics and distribution environment, we've always focused on continuous improvement. We've always focused on making sure that we're, we're bridging the gaps, we're improving day to day processes, and we're getting the associates and the people on the front lines involved in those changes. The leadership had the faith in the associates, the associates had the trust in the leadership, and we were able to make those changes quickly um, as, as things changed.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of peak volume, This was the first COVID holiday (laughs) that I can't even imagine the stress that was around that.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, we probably uh, realized, you know, a couple of months into the pandemic that, you know, the the Canadian, you know, network from a last mile perspective, and even from our perspective, fulfillment um, and delivery was was, um, going to be a challenge, you know, With, with the type of growth we were seeing, and then you add kind of peak. So on top of that, you know, we knew that we had to start planning, you know, early to, to be able to accomplish um, and get through get through that uh, volume. So, you know, again, we talked about before one of the key things for us was to accelerate the technology roadmap. We we had um, you know uh, fulfillment stores or we had stores um, one hundred and thirty one or so stores, but we didn't really use them strategically for fulfillment to the customers. So what we what we had to do was um, was look at technology and see how do we engage these stores where these stores would be closer to the customer mm-hmm. so rather than ship it from one of our fulfillment centers you know if you're a customer in victoria how do we leverage that store to get that product to you quicker and mm-hmm. um, you know what 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 that accomplishes is it it not only accomplishes a, a quicker more efficient delivery but it takes that volume away from the national and regional processing centers that the the, the carriers were having the biggest challenge with the other thing was, you know, we, we had to try and come up with tools that allowed customers to interact with it without necessarily going into the store if it was a an easy purchase um, for the customer to make. So quick and easy pickup for us was a prepaid model. Before we just had a reserving pickup where you could reserve it, but you still had to pay for that product in store, yeah. which again was time in the store for the customer. Mm-hmm. So we looked at this quick and easy pickup, which prepaid pickup in store. You've already paid for it. The transaction's easy, and then that allowed us to take a look at something like curbside. So now that the customers paid for it, can we deliver that product to the customers' cars? But we also had to, you know, look at, you know, how do we promote these services? So promoting contact contactless convenient options like curbside and, and prepaid pickup to the customers. Planned early receipts coming into our distribution center, so we could get the store stocked up early. And then, obviously, once that's all done, we're encouraging customers to come in and shop up earlier uh, so that we can spread out that Black Friday Boxing Day peak and try and have it more, um, you know, a monthly promotion as opposed to a, a weekly or a daily promotion. So those mm-hmm. were all the things that we kind of thought about, you know, as the pandemic hit, and we worked and kind of built towards those um, to try and get us through the, the peak periods.
0: I uh, can't even imagine the, uh, the, the mayhem that might have been um with a, a lot of planning because it's I, I just have to think it's just so complicated sitting in your sort of chair so being able to rise to the challenge on the delivery window the speed the volume i mean i even read that there you know some organizations were partnering with uh with uber and uber eats for delivery because they just didn't know how else to do it yeah and
1: you know when you think about it you're totally right that you know at the end of it all you know and especially in supply chain supply chain is one of those areas that you know if people don't hear that there's a problem then they think everything's okay but if we didn't put these things in place and you know it's just it's a, no, a normal year with the growth that we experience would have been a challenge in itself mm-hmm. but the fact that we had to kind of transform the network add all of this technology and capability to meet the volume at the peak period was a testament to everybody that that we worked with and also the people on our teams to to make it happen right and and i think overall we delivered a very similar experience than we did last year um you know as far as the number of days to deliver right and all the kind of delays and stuff we had in the network uh, but the growth was significant and i think that was a that was a big win for us um what one of the things as well I, i think is you know as we talk about what did we learn from from the pandemic and you know we, we talked about continuous improvement and how that set us up in order to pivot quickly from our own uh, staffing perspective but we we leveraged some strategic partners that we had built up over the year you know we, we worked with these partners as far as um, carriers are concerned we communicated with them we innovated together we shared information with them i think that, that those partners are the partners that come and help when you need it most Mm-hmm. and and don't underestimate the value of, of working with these partners on a daily basis and more more of a you kind know, of win-win scenario not just hey i'm paying for a service here's what i want for that service mm-hmm. but how do we work together to take costs out of the network and also deliver a better customer experience and i think we leveraged those partners during the time of need and they came to our assistance and, and helped us out in that sense
0: that's amazing I was reading somewhere else too, but you know, about Gen Z and online versus boomers and that kind of stuff. And I was wondering what your take is on um, assortment versus availability. And I thought it was very interesting personally how people um, are more interested in the things that are in stock versus the things that they may necessarily want. You know, they would would choose availability over choice. How, How do you respond to that as someone who's into and runs you know supply chain and delivery and all this kind of stuff
1: that's good <laughs> <laughs> well, for, for, from, a, from a supply chain perspective you know it, you know for for us to sell the product that we have available and you know we want yeah. the customer to get the product that's available um as close to their home as possible so I, I think it's a good thing for us um i would also say that you know you're saying with the the gen z's i think that as a there is a an eco-consciousness there as well that you know when you take a look at these networks we're building you take a look at the growth in e-commerce i think they're also looking for that um you know that environmentally friendly or or eco-sensitive mm-hmm. you know company that can deliver that experience and i think for us that's where it's critical that we can reduce the kilometers that we're traveling to deliver that package to the customer and and have that local to local connection because it makes a big difference yep. uh, for the environment and, and i think they're also conscious of that as well
0: Well, that's why I love what you were saying about maybe potentially, you know, I don't know if it's going to be a long-term strategy using some of your stores for fulfillment because you you have a a lot of stores, a big network, and it would certainly make a lot more sense to start to reduce the, you know, the distance travel, the the miles. And you're right, Gen Z is very interested in, you know, purpose-driven organizations who take this seriously.
1: Yeah, no, and it is something that we've already, we did launch it last year during the pandemic and this year is going to be a refinement year for us to really understand, you know, the Canadian network is extremely dense and, you know, I think 90% of our customers live within 10 to 15 kilometers from our fulfillment centers or our stores. So we just need to make sure that we can get the inventory in the right location to, to serve and have the network to service that customer. So we are we're well on our way to kind of delivering that. And this year is going to be a big year um, to continue
0: that journey. Is there anything that you would change? Uh, from what perspective? Well, in terms of, you know, how you're setting up sort of the future, because basically I, this is just my own kind of, you know, I live in my own, my own world or whatever. But, you know, as you start to plan these things and put, uh, put um, you know, different mechanisms in place for supply chain, for delivery. Uh, for fulfillment, for all this kind of stuff, is there anything that you would want to go back and and redo? Or have you been super happy with the changes and the direction of all the stuff that you've done so far? I'd like to do it faster. Faster. How do you do uh, it? How how do you do it faster? How how could you do it faster?
1: I I think it's technology. I I think it all comes back to, you know, again, we are a retailer, you know, and now we're transitioning to a a multi-channel retailer that has to, have all their systems interacting and talking to each other, and sometimes making a change, um, you know, to add a carrier, or add a level of service, or direct orders to a certain location, is, is quite complicated. So I think that you know, as we go through and and we kind of uncover uh, the technology needs, some of it's quick and some of it's going to take a bit longer. And I think that we're moving at a pretty decent pace. That's why it's exciting to be in supply chain at this time because it's an extremely complex network to set up and it's extremely complex to deliver that experience to the customer you know what one of the things that is going to be a game changer i think for for retailers as they use the retail stores for fulfillment is demand planning and being able to have that inventory to your point you know customers are buying what's available instead of you know what they want we have to anticipate that need for the customer and start to place inventory in locations where we know the demand for that product is going to be not that it's already been. And I think that's the, the big nut that we have to crack to make this efficient. And I think that, you know, artificial intelligence, machine learning, all of these tools are going to come into play because, you know, our, our human brains don't have the capacity to manage that much uh, variation. So I think that that's the exciting part and we're not there yet. You know, so again, I think we're probably um, quite advanced as far as the network we've got set up. But again, we know where we need to get to, and it's how do we get there as quickly as possible.
0: Stephen, you've been through what I have to imagine is probably one of the most action packed, topsy turvy years in your career. Would I be right in that? Yes. Would you be willing to share your top three tips for our listeners, you know, for any retail organization who's trying to manage their logistics and supply chain risks? You've been there, you've seen it, you've pivoted, you've invented what do you say to them what are your top three things to be thinking about top three tips
1: i think one of the things that was was really big for us is is having accurate and timely data we we've got like any organization tons of information flowing from multiple different systems but how do we get that all in an area where we can consume it assess it and then make decisions i would say you know have accurate and timely data allows you to make quick and fast decisions. Um, but also, when you make a decision, it allows you to measure the impact. The other thing I would say is that, you know, and I touched on it before, is on a daily basis, take a look at who your strategic partners are, and if you don't have them, then we should be investing in partnerships that make sense for us, um, because those are the people that are going to help us when we need to help the most. And then I, I think that the last thing was just, you know consistent open and honest communication through the journey you know a lot of the times you don't know what's going to be next what the next disruption is going to be but i think you have to communicate and um, to the people that you work with to your partners
0: well you know the, the notion of communication is so is so important and you know we talk a lot about it at pwc but i'm curious about you know as a leader um what's it been like leading in a remote world i mean you know you talked a lot about um you know, transparent, open communications with both partners and employees, et cetera. What was it like for you?
1: You know, it was definitely a, a different environment. um You know, from seeing people, from meeting people, from popping into people's offices. We had to kind of, you know, visiting the distribution centers that I did frequently. You know, we had to try and uh, manage through through this virtual world. And I think the key there was, you know, we we set up a daily communications meeting with my direct reports and. Again, it's an opportunity to keep each other up to date uh, on what's going on, you know, identify any challenges or concerns, ask for help, you know, pivot if we needed to pivot. I think that was the key for us is that it was almost like we had to increase the frequency of communication just to make sure that we were all on the same page, the facts were on the table, and then we we could make decisions based on that. And I think that we had to constantly change, you know, um, our direction, our decisions on what we wanted to do based on what we knew at that point in time. Um, I think again, it's the, the set the expectations. Here's my limitations. Here's what I can do through the communication. You know, communicate that to your leaders. Communicate that to your co-workers. Uh, stay connected to people, um, especially your peers. We did more cross-functional work because you know we, we had to get people as we were solving complex problems that were were multi-divisional in our organization. We had to get the right people um, on frequent uh, communication strings in order to decide. How we were going to best serve our customers
0: amazing just a last random question of my own what uh what product type was the the most popular selling item in the pandemic was it like computers or monitors or
1: yeah it, yeah. it was uh, headphones headphones <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, ipod pros we sold like tens ten thousands of those, you know you know the, the funny thing was and i think this is what happened to individuals and, it, and that definitely happened to me you know you get home and you realize you know that, that coffee pot you're using every morning is no good so you buy a new coffee pot and then your toaster doesn't toast fast enough so you buy a new toaster and then you realize hey this monitor's not big enough right so i think people went through different variations and a lot of home office stuff but not just home office stuff small appliances were really big as well You know, coffee makers, vacuums, toasters, you know, anything that that would help them be more comfortable in in the home. You know, the interesting thing as well is that fitness equipment we could not keep in stock. Oh, I believe Whenever we got a shipment of treadmills, bang, they were out the door, right? So people were, uh, I I was saying to the buyer, I said, we need a treadmill that can turn into a closet, right? After the first three months when you don't use it anymore, right? Classic.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, home improvement, you know, try and get lumber impossible yeah. uh, hot tubs and that kind of home recreation thing was i mean you're you're probably six to eight months out with some of the stuff to actually ordering and getting it delivered because there's no inventory everyone yeah. basically diverted their their travel and vacation funds into home improvement and fitness stuff it's uh it's it's amazing to to see
1: um, yeah the other two things that we couldn't get installed was uh, basketball nets basketball, yeah. and trampolines you couldn't get a trampoline in canada i don't think
0: (laughs) who speaking of um predictive um (laughs) demand planning anyway who who would who knew (laughs) okay we have a couple this like a minute left so i'm just going to ask you some random questions lightning round okay these are questions that you have not been privy to so let's see what happens okay steven vinyl cd or cassette vinyl Vinyl, nice. Do you have a favorite mode of transportation? And not necessarily one that you yourself control, but is there like a, a type of transportation that you really like? Trains, planes, automobiles?
1: I'm, You know, I'm not a big train fan. You know, I, I, I've been on trains. And, and in Scotland, we use trains to commute. But a train's a train. I'd rather be on a, on a fast airplane, maybe a Concorde.
0: Nice. I was actually very disappointed when they shuttered Concorde. But what are you going to do? Okay, snack-wise, cheese puffs or pork rinds? Cheese puffs. Cheese puffs. Do you have a best working-from-home tip? Get out and go for a walk. Yeah, it's scientifically proven to change your brain chemistry. Do you have a best technology hack?
1: No. I'm, I'm a supply chain guy. I'm technology challenged. <laughs> I was trying to print something the other day, and I said to my wife, my print, the printer's not working, and she said, why don't you restart your computer? And lo and behold, the printer started working. (laughs) So the old IT hack, just shut it off and reboot. (laughs) Love it. Last question. Did you pick up any hobbies during COVID? I'm walking. I actually, I I was never a big fan of walking. I, I thought, what's the point? But I try and get out for a walk every day now,
0: and I'm really enjoying it. All right. Well, that wraps up another episode of Shift. I mean, it goes by so quickly, especially when we're talking about Electronics and supply chain and fulfillment. It's a very, very interesting space. So, Stephen, thank you so much for sharing your experience of what it was like at Best Buy um, this last year and really gearing up for conquering the pandemic and serving customers.
1: My pleasure. I really appreciate it.
0: I just want to thank the listeners as well because we know you have so many podcasts that you could be listening to instead. Um, but we really appreciate you choosing ours and spending the time with us, PwC and Shift. So until we meet again the next time, be well. And if you like the podcast, please share it with others. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Shift. You can get more details at pwc.com CA Shift. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, subscribe to our podcast series. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, or your preferred podcast platform. Just so you know, This podcast has been prepared by PricewaterhouseCoopers LLP, an Ontario limited liability partnership for general guidance on matters of interest only and does not constitute professional advice. Until next time.